Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And with the NFL Combine this week, I'm ready to talk Texans potential draft prospects with our guest, Joe DeLeon, host of the NFL Draft Prospects podcast. Thanks for joining me on a busy NFL week, Joe. Great to talk with you. Yeah, we've got the the combine coming up very soon. This is my second favorite event of the year, separate from the NFL draft. So always excited to talk about draft prospects and really can't uh, wait any longer for the combine to get here. Yeah, I want to ask you about that just a little bit later, but let's get right to it, Joe, with the Texans. Who are your most likely candidates for the Texans in that three spot, assuming they stay there? Right, I, I think that the the thing that you have to hone in on for the Texans is do one of the edge players slide to that three spot to the Jaguars or the lions, maybe not end up selecting Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau. If either of those players are available, that is a home run selection for the Houston Texans. That is the perfect spot that you want to be in that whoever's possibly vying for that first overall pick ends up sliding a little bit and could be an option for the Texans in the event that, that neither of those players are there. I think that you can't look past Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. To me, he's my favorite prospect in the class, but because of the value at safety and the tendency for teams to value positions like edge, like offensive tackle, like quarterback, things like that, you're not going to get a safety that goes first overall. So the Texans are actually in a really prime position to benefit from that, hoping that the first two teams take edge players. You get that chance to take Kyle Hamilton. And the reason why I'm so high on Hamilton. This guy is uh, he's a unicorn for his position. He's six foot four. He's 220 pounds. He is going to test in all the best uh, or at, at the best in all the drills that he does at the NFL combine Four four forty. He's going to have some crazy jumps. All that stuff is going to be off the charts for a player of that size. And a lot of people kind of look at Kyle Hamilton and say, is he a tweener? Is he somebody that doesn't really fit NFL defenses? He's somebody that you can use in multiple ways and with a creative defensive coordinator can become a high impact player for your team at the next level. So he's big enough to play in the box. He plays against the run. Well, he's built like a linebacker, but he has that speed and range to cover from sideline to sideline to be a roaming free safety. So you can use him all over the place, but his best usage is to play him over the top, let him run sideline to sideline and make plays there. I'm going to tell you something real crazy with the Texans, and I don't know if you've looked at their draft history, but over the last decade, the only safety they've picked higher than, I believe, the sixth round is Justin Reed in the third round a yep. few years ago, and that that's it. Right, yeah, and there's not much of a, a tendency to. And it, it's it's bizarre to sit here and try and project the safety going in the top three because of the the past experience that we've had. Like Jamal Adams was good, and he was a top 10 pick, and then he's kind of dipped off a little bit and and he's not really built for what he's capable of doing because he's like a blitzing box safety. He's basically like an edge rusher the way that he's used in Seattle. But I think Kyle Hamilton's so rare for what he's capable of doing that you you just can't pass up on an opportunity to have a playmaker like that. Yeah. I'm about getting impact guys at any position. And I want to ask you about where the Texans are in the draft in just a bit, but I just want to remind everybody Uh, that if you're listening to the podcast, that you can also watch us on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe over there. But the Texans, Joe, need as many good players as possible. We always hear about teams wanting to trade down. But is there a realistic possibility, looking at these other teams, that the Texans 
could trade down from that third spot to pick up an extra pick or, you know, an extra couple of picks earlier in the draft. The Giants are the one team that, you know, people talk about. Yeah, I think that this is probably the worst year to have that possibility of being able to trade back just because of the quarterback situation. Those trade-ups typically happen because there's a quarterback that somebody's fighting for. Yeah. And we, you know, we saw it last year with the 49ers. They traded up to go get Trey Lance. They went went to go get their guy. But in a draft where it's it's going to be a lot of best available, I wouldn't be shocked if we're very light on teams trading up. Um, so for the Texans' sake, I, I I don't think that either of the top two teams, obviously the Jaguars aren't going to take a quarterback. I would be shocked if the Lions went quarterback there at two. They could, but it's unlikely. But for a team to say that they want a quarterback at third overall based on how weak this class is. I just think it's unlikely if somebody's going to trade up, it's going to be from like 15 to nine or somewhere along those lines when maybe things start to heat up for Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett to go. But I think third overall is too high for that to happen. And sadly for the Texans, they're in a position where it's just going to be difficult for them to trade out. The Texans have three more picks in the top 80, uh, 37th, 68th, 80th. There's also the hope that a Deshaun Watson trade worked out by the draft. So what are the strengths of this draft with the Texans having all these picks? What positions should they look to improve in rounds two and in rounds three in particular? Yeah, so in, the, in that event that like I was talking about earlier where you don't get that premier edge player in Hutchinson or Thibodeau, luckily this is a really good class for having depth at edge. There are a lot of really good pass rushers that not only are there going to probably be like five or six guys that go in the first round, but the guys that go in the second round that go in the third round, there are some really interesting names that could be, you know, brought into that conversation like my Sanders, like boy, Mafe, like Nick Benito, like Kingsley and Nick There are a lot of really good options as you start to move down um, in the later rounds at edge. Same thing with corner. There's some really nice corner and defensive back prospects, which could be to the benefit of the Texans who, who are pretty bare defensively and could use playmakers wherever they can get them. There's really strong depth at corner. And then the other one uh, position that, that or position group that tends to, to look good in this class is tackle and guard. Center is really thin after Tyler Linder, Linderbaum, the Iowa center, a lot of the good players decided to go back to school, but there's some really good tackles. There's some really good guards. Like when you start to get into the second round, guys like Zion Johnson from Boston College are going to get brought up. But there's some pretty good options as you start to move through in those specific uh, position groups. They have three picks in the sixth and one in the seventh round. Casario threw away some sixth and seventh round picks on some vets last year. He also traded up for Garrett Wallow in the fifth. So there's no guarantee they stay in those positions. But if they do, you know, where do you see the depth deeper maybe for the, for the Texans there? Yeah, I mean, I, I would be looking at, at, you know, there's possibilities to go and grab some receivers. Um, you're going to be in that position where some of these later round guys that that are getting passed up on because of the strengths at some of these other positions, I think that you could end up going and grabbing a receiver later on. I know that the the Texans have a, a million running backs, so them <laughs> them needing to to add depth to that running back room is is probably unlikely in this class. But probably, I you know the later round groups, I would I would say receivers probably. You yeah, know, they have a lot of running backs, Joe, but none of them are good. 
<laughs> right. So maybe if, if there's some moves made and they, they get rid of some of those guys like David Johnson or, or um, you know, whoever else in the group that they don't want to retain, there are there is some pretty good depth at running back. This is a decent year to, to make some replacements there. Yeah, please, no offense to the David Johnson family, but I, I wouldn't be <laughs> upset about that. You know, it was so incredibly surprising last year that Casario packaged picks and moved up with so little talent on the Texans roster. His philosophy, at least in year one, was to target players and move up rather than grab the most players possible by moving down. What did you think about that? Yeah, last year's class was, I think, unique to that because there it wasn't a deep class. There were a lot of kids that went back to school, especially at the FCS level. They played in the spring, and then they played in the fall right away. So because of that, there were like five or six FCS players that were even considerably draftable. Most guys stayed in school. Most of these smaller school guys stayed in school, and that's where the depth of the class is going to come from. So that I, I think that that was just a – if anything, that's a smart move by Casario to say – I don't want to get as many picks as I can to draft a bunch of players that in a normal draft might be UDFAs or low end late round picks. I'd rather go and grab those guys that you're talking about, like the Nico Collins and move up in, in positions to draft those high value players. Because again, there, there was really no depth in that class this year, conversely, because we had all of these guys back and for an extra year, you have a bunch of fifth year guys uh, some six-year guys because of the extra COVID eligibility. All that extra eligibility, all that extra time for development makes this group very, very mature and developed. And that's why I think this is a good year to have more picks compared to last year. Yeah, there was also a thought here. I heard some people talking about, well, maybe he wasn't as sure about as many guys because you didn't have the chance to get to see the guys with all the pandemic going on last year too. Uh, I, I don't know if that played into it for him, but I, I would assume that would have played into it for some of the teams last year. Yeah. And the other thing, yeah, the other thing that comes into play for that too, is not being able to properly evaluate during the pandemic. There was no NFL combine. All there was, was the medical checks. There's always that concern of how valid is the pro day numbers that you get for these players. So the process was more confusing. Go with the guys that you're more confident in instead of trying to bank on drafting a bunch of late round guys that you don't even know if are going to necessarily pan out. All right, here, here's a tough one for you. So there's a lot we don't know about the Deshaun legal situation, but if you were to take a guess right now, what do you think that the Texans could get for him either with just draft picks or maybe if you combine players, starters, for example, and picks combined, what's the, going rate do you think for Deshaun Watson and I know it's real tough right now yeah assuming he's completely cleared like there's no suspension he's not limited from playing and his reputation is at least somewhat clean clean slated that's not going to be 100% regardless of what happens but if if there is less of a stigma on him which is which is tough to do in this situation because that's I think that's a big concern with these teams is like do you want to bring in a guy that has those accusations true or not brought on him? And I, I think a lot of these business, these owners are, are businessmen and they don't, they don't want that brought to their brand. If, if that's not on the plate, I mean like three first round picks, three to four first round picks, I think is, it should be the going rate. This is a guy who in multiple seasons has been an MVP candidate. We've seen teams and their ability to go and trade for a player like that. Uh, and the impact that it has, I, I think a perfect example is what the Rams just did going and get Matthew Stafford or 
replacing him with Jared Goff and having that swap. And they still even, they even sent a first round pick to the lions in that exchange. So you could potentially end up trading for a young quarterback to come in that maybe he, he pans out. Maybe he doesn't, there's low risk there, but a couple of first round picks. I think this cycle, particularly there are a lot more teams desperate to figure that situation out. Like the Browns need to figure it out. The Vikings need to figure it out. The Steelers need to figure it out. There are a lot of teams that are going to be desperate. Washington is another one too, that are going to be so desperate to be in a position to compete that I think that the the asking price can be fairly high. Which of those teams do you think, or what, what teams period have the assets and should be considering Deshaun Watson right now with what they have and, you know, the ability to be able to give something up, but still have enough to compete with Deshaun considering you only have him under contract for, uh, you know, the next three, you, you could sign it to an extension with the trade, but you know, who should consider him? The Browns would be a really easy swap because of the, the, you know, the Baker Watson kind of swap. I think that that one would be really easy to figure out, but I just don't know the likelihood of it. It sounds like they're trying to do something like that based on news that that's kind of been popping up today. But I mean, Washington has a lot of talented young players and draft picks that they should be making a move like that to bring in uh, a player like Deshaun Watson. You almost wonder if that still makes sense with their own allegation problems that they're dealing with, but like a team like the Steelers needs to make a move for that, that they have an elite defense right now, and they have no options at quarterback. The options to trade for or draft are terrible because it's basically Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson, if he's available. And then the list starts to slowly dwindle and decline as we start to go down it. So I I think Pittsburgh is probably one of the best options. Um, Denver can come into play as well, but I think Pittsburgh would be, would maybe be a really good option for, for Deshaun to head to. Speaking of quarterbacks, the Texans have a pretty good one uh, as far as a rookie was concerned. His numbers, Joe, looked a lot like the numbers, if you start breaking it down, that Joe Burrow had his rookie year. I got a tricky question because I want to play a little what if here. Pretend that Davis Mills was coming off the same year he had last year at Stanford, but he was entering this draft instead of last year's draft, where he was picked as the eighth quarterback. And nobody knew the future. Nobody knew what was going to happen with Davis Mills. Where would he be picked in this year's draft? Yeah, that's actually a really good angle. I think that Texans fans need to be evaluating this quarterback group this year because they shouldn't be drafting one. And for the reason that I would argue he's top five, maybe even top three, if he was a part of this class, he had the traits. I think there was just some concern of how raw he was and he, he didn't really stack up with the rest of the group. But if you look at the 2022 class, Malik Willis seems like he's the number one guy. He's an elite athlete, but he is equally very, very raw. Kenny Pickett's steady, but his ceiling isn't very high. Carson strong is probably going to be somewhere in that, that three to four spot in the quarterback rankings. But as you start to move down, like Desmond Ritter's, like, like, is he going to develop into a starter? Probably not. Sam Howell, probably not. The options don't look that great. Matt Corral, I mean, he can he fits somewhere in that conversation as well. Saying Davis Mills would be top five in this class, I don't think that's that's a reach at all. And I think that he would probably be a second-round pick 
in this year's class because of the level of uncertainty, especially what we saw this past year, him stepping in, being a starter. He was really good. And the overall thought from that is Texas fans, you should be happy moving forward with Davis, Davis Mills for at least another season instead of bringing in another young guy that's just going to struggle. All right, here's something that you can take back to your guys because for comedic sake, I just thought I got to rattle off some of the Texans' second-round picks over the year. They got a second-round pick this year. They didn't have a second-rounder last year. Here, Here's the list of – this is almost every second-round pick that they had. Ross Blacklock, Max Sharping, Lonnie Johnson, <laughs> Nick Martin, Xavier Suofilo. Again, try not to laugh here. DJ Swearinger, Ben Tate – Benny Jopru, Jabbar Gaffney. And this past year, they waived Zach Cunningham and <laughs> traded Bernardrick McKinney for Shaq Lawson, who they immediately traded for a six-round pick. There you go. I mean, that's just... D'Amico Ryans was their only <laughs> really great second-round pick. And then Connor Barwin maybe was pretty good. And and then, you know, Brooks Reed. Or, you know, that's about it. That That's their second-round pick selection history. Yeah, those aren't those aren't very good options right there. And hopefully that the Texans are under new management and they actually have a, a second rounder that they can make some better decisions. <laughs> yeah, they've done a lot better in the first round, but man, the middle rounds have just been a killer over the years. And, you know, that's where they've really lost a lot of their ability to go deep into the playoffs when they have had success. I know you've got a busy week on the NFL Draft Prospects podcast. What exactly do you guys look for at the combine? What are the key things that you guys try to take away from this? Right. With, with these drills and the athletic testing going on, there's already been film evaluations that have been done and you use these tests, everything that's going on during the week to reaffirm assumptions that you've made on these players to validate what, you know, who's fast, who's explosive, who has fluid hips, who transitions well in coverage, um, who, you know, who, who can sit in their stance and kick set effectively and, and move laterally without looking too clunky as an offensive lineman. You're trying to get a sense of how these guys look in these high pressure situations when all eyes are just on them. And then the other benefit too, is if somebody does have crazy testing that you didn't even think was going to do that and you didn't expect them to do anything, it allows you to go back to the film and say, okay, I didn't notice this guy the first time. What was I missing? Is he better than I thought? And then if he is, you move him up. And if he's not, you keep him where he is. But it, it's not a situation where if someone tests really well, you overreact and then he's suddenly a first rounder. It's, it's to reassess and to add to any evaluations that you've already done. Let me just get you to be honest with us. If you look at the Texans and the talent that they've got on their roster, is there anywhere do you feel like that they, they have a strength or is there anything that you go, well, they're okay there. They don't need somebody. Oh man. Uh, wow. That is a tough question off the top of my head because <laughs> I mean, like, I, I mean, as you could probably uh, attest is that the Texans probably have one of the leanest rosters next to the lions and the lions at least have like a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of juice in their secondary. I mean, uh, it does help having Laramie Tunsil, but like, I mean, their defensive line is decent. I, I The thing with this draft class at the Texans is that it, it more than any other team, it needs to be best available. It just needs to be, except for quarterback, take who you can grab who you can build depth, 
build out this roster. This isn't going to be the class that turns this this team into a contender. It's probably going to be the next one or the one after that. Free agency is probably going to be important for filling out this roster as well. But for what this team was in cap-wise recently, uh, I, I think that, that they're in a strong position to start to build things uh, you know, with this class and, and, and how deep it is. Just solid young players. That That's all we're asking exactly. for here. That's, that's really <laughs> all that you can ask for with the Texans, with where they are right now. Let me get everything we need to know about your podcast and where people can find you on social media as well. Yeah, you can follow me at Joe DeLeon, and then you can find the pod at NFL Prospects Pod on Twitter. And then also be sure to check out our YouTube channel, uh, which is the uh, NFL Draft Prospects Podcast uh, channel. Uh, and that's, that's where you can find all of our stuff. Well, I tried to deck myself out, play like I'm excited <laughs> about the Texans. If people are watching this on, on YouTube, you can see I'm doing my best here. But uh, yeah, we need something good to happen in the draft. And we appreciate you breaking it down for us. And th- thanks so much for doing this, Joe. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Always down to talk draft and uh, looking forward to seeing what the, what the Texans do. And hopefully they can build up this roster with some young, talented guys. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.